G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Since we don't know when it'll happen, many aren't ready. Pastor Greg Laurie says that's exactly the point. We need to be always ready. When we see the things happening in our world as we do now, literally Bible prophecies being fulfilled before our very eyes, we should be looking up. We can have the Bible in one hand and a news feed on our phone in the other. And Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption is drawing near. This is the day when the lost are Exactly when Jesus was returning, most of us would make sure we're ready. We'd drop everything and get ready. Well, it's important to know just how soon Jesus could return. In this case, what we don't know can impact us for eternity. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie brings us trustworthy insight straight from God's Word on what we can expect during the rapture and how close we may be to that event. There's literally nothing standing in its way. Why don't you grab your Bibles and turn with me over to the Gospel of Luke, the 12th chapter. The title of my message is Things to Do Before the End of the World. All right, so let's just imagine for a moment that we knew when Jesus was coming. Now we know that can't be true, right? Because nobody knows. Only the Father knows. But let's just say for the sake of an illustration, we knew. Let's say we knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock p.m. How do you think we'd be doing spiritually around 2.45? <laughs> I think we'd be doing pretty well. I think we'd have our Sunday morning smiles and our come quickly Jesus attitude, right? Because why? Well, because Jesus would be coming. But we should literally live every day as though it were that day. So why does this matter? Jesus gives us the answer in Luke 12. I want to read verses 36 to 40 and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is our Lord telling us how we are to live in light of his imminent return. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them and put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he'll reward the servants who are ready. 
Understand this, says Jesus, if a homeowner knew when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You must also be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when he's least expected. The Son of Man is a reference of Christ to himself. So we'll stop there. So now we're talking about first century Jewish weddings. They were way different than our weddings today. It was sort of an event. It was an extended time of celebration and fun. So everybody would be there. Everybody would be ready. They'd have a great feast. But here was the twist. You didn't know when the groom was coming. So he might come in the morning. He might come in the afternoon. He might come in the evening. An announcement would be given. The bridegroom is coming. And if you weren't ready, you would miss it. Snooze and you lose, right? So this is the picture Jesus is drawing upon. He's like that groom and he's gonna come and we don't know when it's gonna be. It might be in the morning when that morning finally comes. It might be in the afternoon. It might be in the evening. It might be in our lifetime. It might not be, but we wanna be ready. So here's point number one. What should we be doing before the end of the world? Number one, we should be shining lights in a dark place. We should be shining lights in a dark place. Verse 35, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. It's like saying, keep batteries in your flashlight or keep your cell phone charged. It just simply means this. It means be ready to go. And so it have your lamps burning. Be ready for the return of Christ. And doesn't the Bible tell us to let our light so shine before men that people can see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. So you want to be living in a way that brings honor and glory to God. You know, sometimes they feel as Christians we're more known for what we're against than what we're for. Look for opportunities to show the love of Jesus to people. Simple things, open a door for somebody, uh, say something nice to somebody, uh, throw out a compliment, uh, do something kind, but do it in the name of Jesus. Say, well, God bless you. And, and, you know, and they'll see that you're a follower of Christ. And sometimes those can prompt and open doors for conversation. So we're to be bright lights in the dark place. Number two, we're to be watching for him. Watching for him. Look at verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master when he comes will find watching. So when we see the things happening in our world as we do now, literally Bible prophecies being fulfilled before our very eyes, we should be looking up. We can have the Bible in one hand and a newspaper or a news feed on our phone in the other. And Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption is drawing near. Number three, you need to be ready to go. Ready to go. Now when I go on a trip, I pack. And I'll tell you what, I am the worst packer. I just pack too much stuff. You, you, I, it's ridiculous. When I show up with more luggage than my wife, and I'm not saying that in a, in a critical way of girls, but generally girls maybe sometimes take more stuff than guys. Not in our marriage. I take more stuff because I, I just, well, I may need this and I may need that. And oh, I need a charger. Well, I'll have an extra charger and I'll have this other thing. And then Kathy will say, why do you take all that stuff? But then when we get there, she forgot her charger. I forgot my phone charger. Oh, look, I have another one. <laughs> Aren't you glad? I'm the little pack rat now, right? But, uh, but I get everything packed before I go. Then you load it up and you go down to the airport and, and you get on your flight or however you're gonna be traveling. So the idea is be ready to go at a moment's notice because the Lord could come back at any time. So are you ready? Number four, we should not only be ready, 
but we should be anxiously awaiting his return. Looking forward to it. Look at verse 36. Be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding and comes and knocks, so open to him immediately. Years ago I used to have a dog and uh, he was more, he was a German shepherd, but I think he thought he was a deer. He sort of moved around like a deer. He was a very interesting dog, but a good dog. And he would lean against our door at night uh, of our bedroom. And sometimes he would like scratch, as dogs do, and it would sound like someone was at the door. You know, what? And it's open it up, dog falls in, you know. So he would just wait against the door, waiting for us to get up. And when I opened that door in the morning, he was so excited, running around in circles, you know. Happy days are here again. Because you know, he wanted to go on a walk and all the things dogs like to do. So I thought that's a picture of how we ought to be. We should just be up against the door like, Lord, come. Like let's just say someone you really loved was coming to visit you and you hadn't seen them for a year. So they text you, the plane just landed. Okay, we're, we're in the Uber, we're on our way over. Okay, we're one block away, we're almost at your house. Yes, yes, yes. And then you see the car pull up and you have your hand on the door and you can't even wait for them to come up the steps. That's how we need to be waiting for Jesus Christ looking forward to it, anticipating it, and hoping for it. We should not only be anxiously waiting, we should also be working. Look at verse 43. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. So doing. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So if watching for the Lord's return will help us prepare our own lives, working will assure we bring others with us. And notice the word blessed is used. Blessed is the servant whom the master will find so doing. As you know, the word blessed can also be translated happy. Happy is the servant. Happy is the man. Happy is the woman who is anxiously awaiting their Lord's return and is serving him. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California, USA. And today he's helping us to be ready for the Lord's return. We're seeing that the Bible gives practical counsel on being ready, looking at the kind of people who are ready and the kind of people who aren't. Let's continue. In contrast to the believer who's watching and working, now we have the unprepared servant. Go back to Luke 12, verse 45. But if that servant says in his heart, oh, my master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him. So this is a picture of a person who would appear to be a believer, but in reality, they are not. Why do I say that? It's that servant. So they look like one of us. Jesus told the story of the 10 bridesmaids, remember? Five were wise, five were foolish, and the King James are called the 10 virgins. Uh, the ones that were wise had oil in their lamps, back to the lamp. Uh, and the ones that were not ready did not have oil in their lamps. So the idea is, in the last days, according to Scripture, there's going to be people that are Christians right next to people that aren't Christians, and the people that aren't Christians will initially appear as though they are Christians. So we have to be very careful. Just hearing these things is not enough. We need to act on these things as well. Going to church, hearing the Word of God, singing these wonderful songs of worship, it's a great thing to do if you really have a relationship with God. But if you do these things and have no intention of following the Lord, 
or you're kind of pretending to be a Christian, you're actually in danger of hardening your heart. You want to know the easiest place to get a hard heart? Yeah, a strip club, a bar. Yeah, you could get a hard heart there, but the easiest place to get a hard heart is right where you are right now. You say, I'm not getting this at all. I thought church was the best place to be. It's the best place to be if you want to walk with God. But the same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. The same message that will set one person free can be ignored by another and they'll actually find their heart getting harder. Don't let that happen to you. The Pharaoh of Egypt saw miracle after miracle and the Bible says he hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. So you can hear these things and go, oh, that's stupid, I don't really believe it, but you know, I'm here anyway. Man, be careful, because you don't want to be like this person that is not prepared. Notice what it says about this wicked servant. Verse 45, that servant says, my master won't be back for a while, begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. It's interesting that Jesus actually talks about someone getting drunk. You know, I've, I've come to an amazing discovery. If I don't drink, I won't get drunk. <laughs> Go figure. I've never met a drunk person that didn't drink. So if I don't drink, I won't get drunk. I remember once I was pulled over for a DUI. Let me explain. Um, it was actually New Year's Eve. I was driving back from a service we had done at church and uh, it was nighttime and I got pulled over by a cop. And, and so I, pull, I thought, why is he pulling me over? And he says, and he has the loudspeaker. He says, keep your hands on the steering wheel. I got my hands on the wheel. And he comes around with a flashlight. You know, and they shine the flashlight right in your eyes. And that's just really irritating. It makes you very nervous. He says, get out of the car. I get out of the car. And he says, what have you been drinking? I said, uh, bottled water, officer. And he goes, uh-huh. And he pulls out a pencil. And now he says, watch, follow this with your eyes. He's going back and forth with the pencil. And he says, now I want you to walk a straight line. I'm thinking, I can't believe this is happening to me. Someone's going to drive by and say, isn't that Pastor Craig there? <laughs> and so, I, you know, and I had not been drinking anything. And I don't drink. And I, but I was so nervous. It was hard. The line was hard. I'm like, hi, hi. You know, I did it. I did it. Well, he finally let me go. I don't know why he pulled me over in the first place. It was crazy. But you know, but the sad thing is, is there are people driving under the influence. Far too often we hear the story of the family killed by the drunk driver. They all die and the drunk survives it, you know? They're so liquored up, they're just like, whatever, you know? It's horrible. And I've seen alcohol destroy so many lives and it's kind of personal for me. And I'll tell you why, because I was raised in an alcoholic home. And I saw what it did to my mom. And I saw what it did to her marriages. And I saw the destruction. And you know, you don't need to be filled with the spirits. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. And it's far better. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. But instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. So in conclusion, Jesus is coming. So we need to be ready. How? Number one, be a shining light in a dark place. Number two, be watching for him. Number three, be ready to go. Number four, not only be ready, be anxiously awaiting his return. And fifth and lastly, don't just be anxiously waiting, but also be working. Coming back to that verse I quoted in 2 Peter 3, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. 
Let me ask you, are you ready for the Lord's return? You might say, well, does that mean I have to live a perfect life? No, because no one does. We all sin. But we need to be right with God. The only way to have the peace of God in our life is to first have peace with God. See, believe it or not, before you're a Christian, you're actually at war with God. You're fighting with God. You're separated from God by your sin. But God loved you so much despite your rebellion. He sent his own son Jesus to die on a cross in your place and my place. And he suffered there for my sins. And then he rose again from the dead three days later. And he's alive. And he's here with us. And he stands at the door of your life and he knocks and says, if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. Jesus died, Jesus rose, Jesus is coming back again. And I ask you in closing, are you ready for the Lord's return? And if you aren't, would you like to be? When that morning finally comes, everyone will be there if they're Christians. So you say, well, how do I get right with God? You admit you're a sinner. And you realize that your only hope is Jesus. You need a savior, you call out. It'd just be like if you're out in the water and you got caught in a riptide and, and you can't get back to the shore. What do you do? You call out for help. Well, that's embarrassing. Well, it's better than drowning, isn't it? So call out. So in the same way, we have to see our real condition and call out to God. And the Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So in a moment, we're gonna pray, respond to this invitation. And also, if you're someone that's fallen away from the Lord, and maybe you need to come back because you've been sort of playing a little bit of a religious game. Uh, you're not fooling God. You can fool all of the people some of the time. You can fool some of the people all of the time. But you can't fool God any of the time. Don't play that game anymore. Why don't we all bow our heads and pray. Everybody praying. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak now to every person here, every person watching, and every person listening, wherever they are. If they don't know Jesus, we pray that tonight will be the night they come to you and believe in you. And, and that they can be forgiven of their sins and be ready for the afterlife, ready to go to heaven, and ready for the return of Jesus. So help each one to see their need. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. An important prayer from Pastor Greg Laurie. And if you've come to realize that you need to make a change in your relationship with God, well, today's a great day to do that. And Pastor Greg would love to help you take the next step right now. I receive so many letters from people from every walk of life, from successful businessmen to those who are incarcerated, to mothers struggling as they're trying to raise their children, to young boys and girls writing and saying they've made a commitment or a recommitment to Jesus, and maybe you need to make that commitment to Him right now. Let me lead you in a word of prayer. Yes, you can meet God right now, and I would just ask you to pray this prayer out loud after me, and this is where you are asking Christ to come into your life. Pray with me now, if you would. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've broken your commandments, and I've fallen short of your standards but I thank you that you have loved me and you have called me to yourself. So I turn from my sin right now and I choose to believe in and follow you. Be my Savior, be my Lord, and be my God from this moment forward. Thank you for calling me and loving me and accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray, 
Amen. Hey, let me just say, God bless you. You've made the right decision, and welcome to the family of God. Thanks, Pastor Greg. And if you've just prayed those words and you meant them sincerely, know that the Lord has heard you. And we'd love to send you some resource materials to help you in your new journey. Just ask for the New Believers Growth Packet when you call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. The team would love to pray with you as well. That's 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. Next time, some more insights from Pastor Greg's series called Jesus Revolution. We'll consider further steps to revival, including the importance of reading, understanding and following what God's Word says. That's next time on A New Beginning. Now, for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Things to Do Before the End of the World. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.